Welcome in everybody to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa, 11 to noon on weekdays. The Talking Tide podcast available at Podbean.com. Also iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And you can follow us via Twitter at Talking underscore tide that's t-a-l-k-i-n no g uh, underscore t-i-d-e and we'll uh, keep you abreast as we continue with these twice weekly podcasts throughout the alabama football season and travis we enter this one recapping alabama's 59 to 31 uh, home victory over the Ole Miss Rebels and a, a, a record-breaking day for Devontae Smith. Got to start with uh, the junior wide receiver, Travis. Ends up 11-274-5 uh, for his stat line. Uh, school record in uh, single-game yardage and touchdowns as well. It was, it was Smith's day. Yeah, no now for something else other than second and 26 from a couple of years ago, I guess you could safely say about Devontae Smith uh, basically purchased some real estate he did alongside the likes of Amari Cooper and Julio Jones with that performance on Saturday. And really, it started from the outset of the game. Uh, He showed you again that after the catch ability, we've seen him take that short slant and turn it into something big on multiple occasions. Most recently against, uh, I guess, South Carolina a couple weeks ago, he scored on one of those. Uh, scored a big one, you know, kind of overlooked in that freshman season was that game winner at Mississippi State on the road. You know, that preceded second and 26, and that was a big one um, as well. But, you know, overshadowed, I think mostly Chase because he had the injury last year that really left him hobbled for about a month to six weeks, and he played through a lot of that. I give him credit. He's a tough, tough dude. Uh, But he just wasn't himself for about half of the regular season last year. Meanwhile, Judy certainly, uh, you know, put up the big numbers. Henry Ruggs uh, doing some of that as well. And then you had the emergence of Jalen Waddell last year. So kind of pushed Devontae Smith into the background a little bit as that season wore on. Uh, But we're seeing here in the last couple of three weeks especially that he is every much the – the, the deadly threat on the outside that, that the other guys in that rotation are, if not more. Uh, he showed some things, I think, athletically that, that he hadn't necessarily shown a lot of in the past. Devontae Smith, you know, the, the, the label on him as a receiver is pretty much a straight-shot speed burner. Uh, but on a couple of his touchdowns, we saw – Jerry Judy like body control right along the sidelines staying in bounds um it's it's not an easy thing to do for guys like Smith sometimes to gear down and contort the body and and uh play the ball in the air and and stay in bounds and do some of the things he did to stick the ball in the end zone on a couple of those plays yeah I think the last one it was uh there at the at the goal line he went up and and got the football he did it a couple times actually he can high point the ball uh, there's no doubt about that, and his his body type, I think, Chase, is deceiving. You know, you look at him, and he's built like a Kenny Bell from a few years back, another Louisian um, uh, that, that came into the program, uh, but, but he's stronger than you think, and he's strong at the moment of truth, you know, whether it is 
going up and getting the ball at its highest point or whether it is, you know, contact very soon after the catch. He takes a lot of shots uh, a step or two after he makes the grab, and it seems like he always falls forward. And again, it sort of belies what you, you see with your eyes with him. 175 pounds or so, maybe 180 pounds. Uh, spindly, I guess, is one way that you could describe him. Uh, but he's he's more physical than than his his uh, measurables would lend you to believe. Quarterback to a tongue of Aloha, another monster game, 400 plus yards, half a dozen touchdowns, just crazy numbers again for him. Of note, he played pretty deep into the fourth quarter, and certainly deeper than we ever see him when Alabama's got things under control on the scoreboard. Travis, what did you make of Nick Saban's decision uh, to leave? to a tongue of Aloha into the game deep into the second half. Interesting. I would say that, but I think some of the comments that Nick made after the game may have provided some insight into that thinking in the fourth quarter when he talked about that continued inability to gain total control of the football game. And I know at one point it was, what, 52 17 so you feel like at that point you're up 35, you should be okay. Uh, but coaches are different cats, and and what they sort of perceive things to be, the feel of the game to them, uh, compared to what it is for the rest of us, that that doesn't always match up. So I guess I was a little bit surprised, Chase, but you know it, it did end up being a 59-31 game. Again, I don't think Alabama was ever in peril there in the fourth quarter. Uh, but it also never had the feel of a game in which uh, Alabama w- was was completely dominant, which is what he likes to sense, I think, a lot of times, Chase, before he starts making those wholesale changes. And if you noticed on defense, you really didn't see that until late, late in the game, in the fourth quarter. Because, again, I don't think right now he looks at that side of the ball and thinks, you know what, we can go to our twos and threes, as we've seen. You know, they've tried that. They tried it at South Carolina. Uh, They tried it again to an extent on Saturday. What happened? You know, Ole Miss goes down the field, scores a meaningless touchdown at the end. But stuff like that, as you know, it it speaks to how you finish games. And coaches are big on that. They want to finish with authority. And I think that is the big issue, the big question with this team, especially on defense, Chase. And I know we'll get into that in a minute. But – when it comes down to it, whether it's running the football to run clock and kill the clock, or it comes down to getting the stop you have to get in a championship caliber game from your defense, is this team going to be able to do those things? I, I, I had those same questions coming out of South Carolina, Chase. I got the same questions coming out of Ole Miss. What about you in terms of Tua being out there? well into the fourth quarter it surprised me as well just because we'd not seen it before you know, not seen it before in a, in a game that Alabama had had that well in hand notwithstanding Ole Miss uh, was certainly able to move the football really all day long I know they did a, uh, some late scoring uh, ended up covering the spread we'll touch on that a little bit later in the in the podcast as well uh, but when Nick Saban commented on game control like you were talking about I think in the same breath uh, he brought up the extra plays on defense that Alabama had to play, uh, tw- yeah. 20 extra plays, I think he noted, and how that can accumulate over the course of the season and maybe be a, uh, 
a rough ride for an Alabama defense that's already incurred some significant season-ending injuries. So uh, something there to be said as well. He stopped short of saying, well, I wish we weren't so explosive on offense, but you do get the feeling that that Nick Saban would almost rather score um, with a with a six minute drive than a thirty second drive. Well, if you don't want to score fast, that's another uh, another argument for getting two out of the game. Because if thirteen's in the game, there is a chance that you're going to score maybe quicker than you would like, especially if he still has those wide receivers in there with him. But you know, I did think. You know, you, you hear this narrative and you think, well, gosh, they just can't run the football. Well, I thought they ran the football pretty well on Saturday, Chase. Now, again, not the explosive runs. We've kind of been keeping track with this throughout the season. You know, between Najee Harris, Brian Robinson still don't have a run between those two of more than 20 yards uh, to this point in the season. But what they did do on Saturday, the, the, the two of them, they combined average about 6.9 per carry. Najee was up around eight. Brian Robinson was at six. Uh, they both had three runs of 10 yards or more. So they had six together, uh, uh, chunk runs, as they're called, 10, 10 yards or more runs. So, you know, I continued to see some encouraging signs from the run game, especially when you talk about the return of Deontay Brown at that guard position. I thought Evan Neal, Landon Dickerson, who they love – to, to pull and to get out in front of powers and, you know, a variety of different things they do in the run game and in pass protection and in the quick passing game. Uh, I, I thought there was continued signs of, of some improvement there. It's just that their top two backs for the, for the second time in, in two SEC games to this point of the season combined to get fewer than 20 carries in a game. I mean, Robinson and Harris had 19 combined carries on Saturday. I thought Robinson looked better than he has all year. Uh, went 10 for 60 in this game, and I don't know. I, I, I felt like I saw a little more patience from him, maybe a little bit more balance. I'm not sure. He just he was harder to bring down in this football game than, than he seemed to be uh, in any other contest this season coming in. So definitely. And it comes just a week, uh, as we recall, after Najee Harris pretty much ran the, uh, ran the show uh, for most of the way against Southern Miss. Uh, Brian Robinson looked pretty sharp, and the offensive line looked good as well. Uh, we did see Deontay Brown get into the game late, uh, but I, I saw some I saw some signs. I think Travis of the offensive line gelling without Deontay Brown, and that's what you want to see. What you don't want to see is is struggles where everybody's waiting around for this guy who hadn't played since last November to show up and save the day. That's not what I saw. Uh, I saw improvement before he even crossed the sideline. Um, yeah, and, and and here's what helps, too, during the practice week is those other guys knowing that Deontay Brown is eligible. You know, not that Evan Neal or mm-hmm. Landon Dickerson or Emil Echior or the other interior linemen in that mix, you know, necessarily need it, but it doesn't hurt, right? When you know you've got a guy that started five games last year at guard you know, who is eligible now and ready to go so that helps take things up another notch perhaps on the practice field and you know we did I mean Nick Saban said as the week wore on last week that you know it was likely we would see Deontay Brown rotate in there and and that's exactly what happened and but I'm with you I I thought even before Deontay Brown jumped in there uh you continued to see some positive things from that interior trio 
On the defensive side of the football in this game, Travis, of course, uh, as we noted, Ole Miss uh, ringing up a, a, a lot of points more than anybody else has this season on Alabama. Some of it against the one, some of it not. Uh, but, uh, geez, John Reese Plumley, boy, he gave Alabama some fits with those keepers. And uh, that that's something. And I thought he was okay as a passer. I thought he was high on some throws. I thought he was late on a couple of throws. That's unquestionably the area of his game that, that the uh, Rich Rod needs to develop the most. Uh, but as a running threat, he, he was most impressive. He was. And, you know, whether it was going to be, and there was question throughout the practice week, is it going to be Matt Corral? Is it going to be John Rice Plumley? Uh, regardless, the, the quarterback runs Grant Tisdale. It was in that mix as well. We saw him late, late in the game. He actually led a Ole Miss touchdown drive there uh, in the final seconds. Uh, the, the quarterback runs were going to be in play because that's Rich Rod's offense. I mean, go back to Pat White and Steve Slayton at West Virginia. Remember that duo yeah. that he had up there in Morgantown? You know, they were pretty prolific together in that quarterback running back uh, one-two punch. And so – you can't just sort of dismiss what we saw Saturday as well. You know, that uncertainty about which guy was going to get the ball, that could be a, a problematic in terms of preparation. I don't buy into that as much because, again, whether it was Corral or whether it was Plumley, there were going to be quarterback runs. I think what that offense can do uh, and what you see a continuation of, Chase, is put inexperienced inside linebackers in a tough spot. You know, whether it's the eye candy with motioning to empty and then running quarterback draw, getting those guys sort of looking at different formations and motions, and then really running simple football plays, you know, for the most part. There wasn't anything innovative about what happened after the snap. Um, so a, a learning experience, once again, growing pains. You know, when you've got two freshmen inside linebackers, um, you know, the defensive line, I thought was okay, um, you know, uh, against the uh, against the traditional runs with the running backs early in the game. But when you did see the snap start to pile up, as Nick Saban alluded to post game or touched on post game, you even started to see some of those backs for Ole Miss pop some runs there in the late third and into the fourth quarter. So uh, it's a it's a work in progress. I know we've said that for the first five games of the season. But, um, you know, there were some bright spots. Terrell Lewis playing, I thought, was a real positive because I wasn't, I wasn't really expecting that to happen. DJ Dale, kind of the same thing at nose tackle. Um, you know, Anthony Jennings had a tackle for a loss. There, there were some positives. Um, but, yeah, when when you got a true freshman quarterback doing something Johnny Manziel didn't do, Tim Tebow didn't do, Cam Newton didn't do, uh, Dak Prescott didn't do, that's run for 100 yards against an Alabama defense, it kind of kind of tells you where you're at. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, McKinney was all over the place for Alabama as well at that safety spot. 13 tackles led the team, 10 of them solo. Uh, but it, it was it was Plumley primarily that kept him busy. Ole Miss, and if I'd have told you before the game, Travis, that Ole Miss was going to move the sticks 25 times, 
14 of them on the ground and end up with 476 yards in total offense. You think barn burner, right? You you think uh, this thing's going to be a shootout left and right. It's really not how it played out. Uh, but nevertheless, plenty to work on, certainly, uh, for the defensive staff uh, going into the practice week. Uh, and the penalty bug resurfaces again. Wanted to touch on that quickly. Uh, just a week after Alabama had just one penalty all day long, uh, they get flagged ten times uh, in this one against the Rebels. Yeah, the first half was particularly problematic uh, from a flag standpoint. And, you know, just mistakes in general. Um, missed run fits, really poor angles on, you know, the, uh, again, you have a limited sample size, I understand, with Plumlee uh, on tape at quarterback, and, you know, you, you're not exactly sure what you're going to get, but some of the angles on some of the boot action um, and, and things, it, it, it could have been a lot better. And I'm not just talking about the front seven, by the way. I mean, there were there were some issues uh, in the secondary as well. I thought that got better as the game wore on. You mentioned McKinney making 13 tackles, where more than a few of those, he was cleaning up messes in front of him um, made by the front seven. Uh, as we've talked about many times, you don't like to see one of your safeties making 13 tackles, but that's what was needed of McKinney on Saturday, and he gave it to him. But I thought they cleaned the penalties up uh, in the second half. Uh, a little bit better there, uh, but man, you talk about <laughs> you talk about a to-do list that Nick Saban was provided with going into a bye week. Chase, um, you know, it kind of it kind of you ever go to CBS, you know, and they give you those coupons, and they're about thirty-seven yards long yeah. when they finally get done. That that's probably what Nick's list is going to look like at about <laughs> six thirty tomorrow morning when he rolls up to the Malmore Athletic Facility. Chase. Yeah, th- those those CVS tapes come rolling out of that <laughs> register. Uh, Crazy. You go about, in there about seven trees. Yeah. That, you know they took out for that one coupon list I got the other day. You go in yeah. there and buy one pack of Tic Tacs and and, and it'll, be, it'll be four feet <laughs> long. Look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So there you have it. You're getting $2 off uh, your next six purchases of CarMax. Congratulations. (laughs) That's right. Uh, So 37.5 points, by the way, the spread. We'll get back on that quickly. The Ole Miss Rebels uh, cover that. Alabama Uh, now 2-3 against the spread on the season. It was a big number, Travis, too big. Well, you know, we've talked about it. You know, when you you talk about this defense right now, all those points are great, but – there's going to be some games that Alabama's going to have to score in the 60s to cover. And that was the case on Saturday. 59, Chase. Think about it this way. 59 points for Alabama wasn't enough to cover 37 and a half. Yeah. You yep. know, that kind of sums up where you're at. And it's a game in which you got a special teams touchdown, you know. and and uh, but But, you know. You jump in there with the man and laying those big numbers on Alabama these days at your own risk because defensively, uh, still at at some spots in the first 11 to 13 guys where they're trying to expedite the the maturity process, and that's extremely difficult to do even at a place like Alabama, especially when you're dealing with multiples, um, you're dealing with some injuries. Uh, And then again, uh, the, the fact that midway through the fourth quarter you're still seeing a lot of starters out there uh because it's obvious that that this staff because of the youth and inexperience in the twos and threes you know they're not necessarily comfortable or feeling at that point even that they're in control of the game enough 
to go there with some of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned uh, the non-offensive touchdown. Ali Cahoe with a block punt recovers his own for a touchdown late in the game. Uh, you know that had to make him feel good. I mean, here's a guy who who uh, transferred in, I guess, from Washington with a great deal of hype. He's not been able to crack the lineup. Not been able to crack the lineup, even with the door kind of flung wide open with some injuries in the preseason. Uh, so, you know, for him to be able to to scoop that thing up in the end zone, Travis, you know, it was big for him. Here's what I like about Ali Cahoe is that, at least in terms of what we see, um, and, and he's had some issues. You know, he had that that opening to spring practice where we didn't see him out there for a couple of workouts, right? Um, he's had some ups and downs in, in his year in a little bit of change in the program. Um, but he gets after it on special teams, man. He had the block punt and Terrell Shavers, he had that thing perfectly in his arms and it went straight through his hands. And you almost felt simultaneously bad for Terrell Shavers because he missed out on a touchdown. But then it just seemed right that Ali Caho got on it and got the got the the recovery to go along with the block because it was such a hell of a block of the kick. Um, but Ali Caho is a star special teams guy. He is. Uh, and typically, as you know, those guys in time, whether it's a year, whether it's two years, maybe it's even three years into the program, they eventually graduate into roles of prominence on either the offensive or defensive sides of the ball. They're, they're home, they're, they're positional homes. They, in time, uh, eventually get there. We'll see with Ali Cahoe. Uh, but for now, yeah, no doubt about it, whether it's covering kicks, whether it's uh, on the punt return team, punt coverage. You know, I had a big fumble recovery against Mississippi State, I think it was, last year too. He's made a big impact in the kicking game. You mentioned the forthcoming off week for Alabama. It's a good time to drop a quick programming note. Typically when Alabama is idle, so is the Talking Tide podcast. And so uh, we will – Come at you maybe with a podcast over the next couple of weeks. If there's uh, news that merits it, breaking news, uh, we'll jump on for sure and uh, fire off some white hot takes, Travis, on, on uh, any, any big breaking news. But short of that, uh, we'll take a break here with the Idle Week and uh, come back at you in a couple weeks with a midweek or previewing uh, that Texas A&M game. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. Uh, we're going to take a quick time out here to thank a couple of sponsors of the show, starting with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalling. And I was just there on Friday uh, for a routine cleaning, Travis. Put them on the clock, 35 minutes for you, in and out. Uh, that's all yeah. it took. And uh, I didn't even make it to the waiting room uh, to read that first paragraph uh, in the magazine because that's as far as you usually get. Uh, but, no, uh, as soon as I uh, walked up to the desk, they said, now we're ready for you right now. So I made that right turn into the um, into the dental office instead of that left turn into the lobby. Didn't even have to wait at all. They got me in and out of there super fast, did a fantastic job. For all of your dental needs, your family dental needs, Make sure you go to Dr. Jack. He's over there uh, in Fairfax Park. It's 1100 Fairfax Park right off of 
uh, McFarland Boulevard in North Fort, right there in that office park with West Alabama Pediatrics, Tuscaloosa Eye Care. Dr. Jack is right in there as well. Uh, make an appointment at NorthRiverDentist.com or you can call them at 752-3506. For all of your dental needs, pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, teeth whitening services, dentures, dental implants, they can do it all at North River Dental Associates. Also want to thank our newest sponsor, Session Cocktails and Spirits at 2221 University Boulevard in downtown Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa's newest cocktail bar, a smoke-free environment featuring pre-prohibition and modern classic cocktails made by a team of the most talented bartenders in all of Tuscaloosa. Now, it's right down there downtown uh, between the Children Hands-On Museum and Rock and Roll Sushi. That's where you'll find Session Cocktails and Spirits. Uh, and they've got a, a, a Capri, by the way, the top drink on the menu. I was in there the other day and had one. And they're making a donation to the Metro Animal Shelter with every single one of those that's bought. Hunter Wiggins, uh, the owner over there at Sessions, a big dog guy, as am I, as is Travis. And uh, he's, making a, he's making a difference uh, over at Metro An- Animal Shelter, and they need a difference over there if you've ever been. Uh, go in there and try one of those Capris. It's an $8 drink made with that Tito's handmade vodka, some grapefruit in there for you. It's outstanding, uh, and they'll make a donation uh, to the Metro Animal Shelter. Session Cocktails and Spirits, 2221 University Boulevard. I'm going to tell you about Brick and Spoon right there in downtown Tuscaloosa as well. And we've talked a lot about all the great breakfast options. And, you know, why not? They're outstanding. There's no doubt about it. The three cheese omelet, uh, the French toast, you get that with the strawberries, the fresh blueberries on top there. So breakfast, many, many times we've told you, top 10 breakfast in all the United States, according to travelandleisure.com. But what about lunch? Well, the burger options there at Brick and Spoon in downtown Tuscaloosa are great as well. You've got the Brick and Spoon cheeseburger. Now, on that one, you've got a homemade patty with your choice of cheese. You can get Gouda, Pepper Jack, Monterey Jack, or Cheddar. Comes with a house aioli. And they'll look, they've got burger additions you can throw on those babies as well. You can get a fried egg put on there. You can get bacon on any burger, grilled onions, jalapeno, avocado, grilled mushrooms. You can essentially customize these burgers any way you want, but foundation-wise, some great, great options. The Southwest Burger we've told you about before. That's a homemade patty with chorizo, jalapeno, avocado, pepper jack, cheese, and sriracha aioli. Yeah, you're going to love that. Get the French fries, too. Throw on, uh, get the Parmesan truffle while you're at it. Go ahead and do that the next time you're at Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson square also want to tell you about heat pizza bar downtown tuscaloosa as well great great pizza at heat pizza bar sundays are a great day to hang out uh there at heat because they've got the nfl ticket they've got red zone going on some of those televisions for you as well great day to be there on sunday because our jacksonville jaguars came back from a 17 to 3 deficit on the road at denver and got it done uncle rico yeah Gardner Minshew getting it done out there. He's probably at Heat Pizza Bar tonight, if uh, if we know anything. But no, Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Told you many times before, nightly specials. Now, this is a Sunday, but Monday, get in there. They're going to have the half-price bottles of wine with $6 cheese pizzas beginning at 6 o'clock. 
you're going to want to do that on Monday. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com. Moving on with a quick look around the SEC before we close things out. Uh, and uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas of note, Travis, for sure. A&M sneaks by the Hogs 31-27. Uh, any other game of note, as we mentioned uh, last week, it was a, a light schedule in the SEC, to say the least. Auburn just runs away with it against Mississippi State, 56-23. to Now, you look at these two games, I would have I certainly thought A&M would be the route and Auburn-Mississippi State would be the tight one, and it turned out to be just the opposite. Yeah, I was uh, – boy, if you're – if you're Jimbo Fisher, although you got $75 million guaranteed, I don't think uh, Jimbo's too worried about much uh, just yet at A&M. But uh, that would have been catastrophic in terms of uh, adjectives to use to describe a loss to, again, an Arkansas team we've talked about. It, it, that was a, an encouraging loss if there ever was one for Chad Morris and his team over the last season and a half or so since he's been at the helm there in Fayetteville. But uh, at the end, Jimbo gets it done. Uh, Texas A&M gets it done. So uh, it looks like the ticket man won't take too much of a beating for that game in College Station in a couple of Saturdays when the Crimson Tide makes its way out there on October uh, the 12th. But, um, yeah, Mississippi State, and Auburn was a bit of a surprise, although the last time State went down there, they got bombed pretty good in 2017. Still, I'm with you. I thought that was going to be a much more competitive game. You know, quarterback situations around the league continue to be a big storyline. Mississippi State among them. Tommy Stevens, the grad transfer from Penn State, now has a lower extremity issue to go along with the, I think it was the shoulder he had banged up a couple weeks ago. So another situation with a true freshman and Garrett Schrader there uh, at Mississippi State. And I think the natives are starting to get a little restless with Joe Moorhead over there in Starkville. It's just his second season as well. Uh, but they've seen a little too much of what they saw on Saturday at Auburn uh, to, to not start grumbling at least a little bit. And uh, so now a situation, too, with a, a true freshman quarterback, uh, it looks like for the foreseeable future uh, at Mississippi State as well, Chase. Are you buying uh, the Auburn hype at 5-0 and on the season, a season opening win over Oregon uh, that's certainly driving some of the uh, respect that AU is getting nationwide? Uh, is, is it a 5-0, and Travis, that, uh, that, that you're ready to get behind, or are you still a little bit wait and see with this team? I'm probably the latter. Yeah, the, the good thing about Auburn, if you want to be patient about jumping on, is that there's plenty of tests coming up, including this Saturday at Florida. Uh, this this next week, you're going to have game day there once again, you know, um, in a game involving Auburn. So uh, that, that'll be interesting. But uh, I, I'm still a little bit wait and see. I, I, I probably liked more about what I saw from Auburn Saturday night than I did even in wins on the road at Texas A&M and in that season opener in, in Arlington uh, against Oregon because it looked like Bo Nix really took another step and that passing game for Auburn also uh, seemed to take a big step. The offense in general, it was 29 to nothing Saturday night with nine minutes left in the first quarter. You get Anthony Schwartz held healthy you get Seth Williams healthy you know maybe that offensive line plays up to its uh experience level as we continue to move forward but the challenges are still great 
uh, for Auburn. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you've got Florida on the road. You've still got LSU, um, Georgia, and Alabama, obviously, in November. So, yeah, we don't have to be in a rush with Auburn. But right now, just on the wins that that team has, they're as impressive as, as any team in the league, if not the most impressive pair of big wins that they have. Although A&M tried to make that look uh, not as – not as uh, stellar of a win in that performance against Arkansas on Saturday. Yeah, the run so far for AU, Oregon, Tulane, Kent State, Texas A&M, and most recently, Mississippi State. That's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Once again, uh, we're going to take a week off right along with the Alabama football team. Be back at you to preview that Alabama-Texas A&M game coming up in a couple of weeks. If there's a big piece of breaking news, we'll probably jump on for uh, something in the interim. Uh, But short of that, uh, we will reconvene once again uh, ahead of that Alabama A&M game. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.